Welcome. My name is Tom McGivern. I'm a licensed broker associate with Douglas Elliman Real Estate. This is my podcast. It's about the Long Island housing market, where I promise not to give you boring statistics, but give you information that you can use to buy and sell or invest in real estate. And welcome to episode 12 of the Long Island Housing Podcast. My name is Tom McGivern. And um, today's podcast is going to be about condos, co-ops. Last episode, I went over the, uh, you know, I break down the market every every month, maybe a couple times a month here. And um, I talked to, about condos and co-ops. And I said, you know what, the next episode will be about those things specifically. So I dug in and just went over Suffolk, Nassau, and Queens. And so I covered the whole Long Island because – Usually I do only Suffolk because it's a little bit, you know, there's a lot of labor that goes into getting all these numbers situated and, um, you know, it's a lot of work. So, uh, but I did for this episode because I just am going all out for you guys out there. So whoever's listening, we have uh, 27 listener, 27 episodes played 28 as of today, since the beginning of the year. And, um, I think we have five list five listeners. And I'm probably one or two of them. I don't know. But anyways, um, we're going to keep uh, trucking along. So I do appreciate the opportunity to um, you know, provide this to you guys, whoever's listening. And if you have any questions, of course, the phone number to reach me at is 631-831-9048. By the way, on this uh, podcast platform, they uh, actually I can host a uh, phone call. So who knows? Maybe in the future we'll do that. Anyways, um, so in Suffolk County, I'm going to talk about the uh, uh, available inventory. That's what I focus on because inventory is very, very low. And uh, I'm going to go over Suffolk, Nassau, and Queens. So I'm going to dive into these numbers. I'm going to separate condos from co-ops. All right, Condos could be homeowners associations as well. And we'll talk a little bit about some of the differences and nuances of those. All right. So in Suffolk County, there's 439 condos for sale total. And co-ops is 105. In Nassau County, 306 condos, 230 co-ops. And in Queens, it's flipped. You have 540 condos total, 1,208 co-ops, right? As you move further towards the city and then into the city, you know, cooperatives are much, much more available and popular, et cetera. Um, if you want me to ask, answer the question, what's the difference between a condo and a co-op, you'll have to wait until we get further into the episode. But listen to these numbers because they're important. Now, I always break down the numbers. Those are the overall numbers. Now, we're going to look at what's under 300,000. So 300,000 and less. Suffolk County, 129 condos, 69 co-ops available in Suffolk under 300. Nassau County, there's five condos under 300. That makes sense. Nassau's price point is higher houses and condos. Um, and then co-ops would be 132, right? Uh, that are under uh, 300,000. And then Queens, you have nine that are under 300, but 511 that are, uh, uh, excuse me, 511 co-ops. So Queens is nine condos, co-ops 511. Between 300 and 500, the like, kind of bread and butter of the Suffolk County market um, is 149 condos with only 24 co-ops available. 
Nassau County, 56 condos, 82 co-ops. Queens, 108 uh, condos, 591 cooperatives. Between 500 and 750,000. Then now we're moving up in price. In Suffolk, 84 condos, seven co-ops. Right? So you can see it goes way down. Uh, Nassau County, 62 condos, only 16 co-ops available, cooperative units available. At Queens, 253 condos, 88 co-ops. I was a little bit surprised at that. I thought there would be maybe more co- uh, you know, co-ops in that higher range. You know, you know, Queens does have more, but I just figured that it might be more than just 88. Again, shows you that the inventory overall, very low. Um, between 750 and 100,000, uh, excuse me, 750,000 to a million dollars. In Suffolk, there's 42 condos. Only two co-ops. They're both on Dune Road. If you're interested, give me a call. They're beautiful. Uh, Nassau County, 711 Right, big, uh, excuse me, 71, sorry, misread my paper there. 71 condos, one co-op that's in Cedarhurst. Call me if you want to check it out. Nice place. Um, and then Queens, 113 condos for sale between 750 and a million and only 15 co-op units available in that price range. Over a million dollars, all right? There's 38 in Suffolk County. Uh, for the condos, three co-ops, which I was surprised there were that many uh, in Suffolk County. You know, again, the further you move out on the island, there's less cooperative, co- you know, cooperative communities. In uh, Nassau County, there's 113 condos over a million dollars, zero cooperatives. So if you're looking for some reason to own a co-op in Nassau County, you you know, there's nothing there. Um, Queens. 57 condos, only four co-ops available. So if you are in Queens and you're looking to get into a cooperative for whatever reason, you know, certain advantages for co-op versus a condo, um, especially, you know, depending on the the geography, the geographic area you own one in, um, there's only four available. So very tight inventory. Um, I wanted to look at the common charges too. Common charges. I just did, hey, what's available for less than $500 in common charges? Less than $500 in common charges. Total. Now, this is co-ops and condos. I didn't break them down. There's 270 condos or co-ops available in Suffolk with less than $500 common charges. In Nassau County, there's 77. And in Queens, there's uh, 330. And those are mostly, probably mostly condos because we're going to get now the co-ops. One of the differences in co-ops is, you know, the common charge. Why are they higher, right? So let's dive into what's a condo versus a co-op, all right? We'll start with a co-op. Co-op, you don't own land in a cooperative. You own stock in a business. That business owns a building and owns the actual units you purchase, uh, just like a business in uh, on the, you know the Dow Jones and you know industrial or the Nasdaq or something. You're buying stock in that cooperative. Um, 
And the common charges include, now this is for the, I'll freeze frame there for a second, hold that thought. But the main difference between condos and co-ops in terms of money on a monthly basis is your co-ops include your tax payment, your monthly. So as you're here on in Nassau County in Suffolk, Suffolk County, especially Nassau, right? I think Nassau has higher taxes. You're paying, you know, $12,000 a year in taxes. You know, that's $1,000 a month. So right off, off the bat, your common charges or your monthly maintenance is $1,000. Then add in the other stuff that common charges or maintenance co- uh, charges cover, which would be things like snow removal, um, you know, cutting the grass, uh, landscaping maintenance, uh, groundskeeping, that type of thing. That's what, that's what those things cover. Um, but the difference, the hard difference between the two is co-ops of stock, condos are actual real estate. So when you buy a condo, you're buying real estate. Now, somebody might say, oh, well, what's a, what, what about homeowners association? They're a little different than condos, right? It, yes, the, the, the main difference being, and this is, again, this is kind of basic. The main difference is an HOA is like, let's say, a townhome or a townhouse is uh, you own the land right? in a townhouse. Don't confuse. Long Island has this weird, you know, what's a townhouse, what's an HOA versus a condo, right? HOA is homeowners association. A condo is a homeowners association. So you're going to pay those fees. But uh, not to confuse anybody, townhouses, you own, you know, technically, and for the most part, you own land. uh, Whereas condos, you own the actual unit you're in, and then you own an equal portion of all the common areas, like the gym, the pool, the hallways in the clubhouse, right? You own those things uh, equally. All right, so if everyone got in the pool, you would own your little section that you're standing in. That would be your section, you know? And I guess as you move through the water, right, you can move your little, what you own in the pool. You know, it's a silly uh, visual, but it makes sense. Um, Now, 55 and older, I wanted to cover this topic too because this is important. Um, to to own a fifty five and older community, to be you know to be a uh, to own a fifty five and older com- you know portion of a community, let's say a condo, a house, or something like that, that's in a fifty five and older restricted a you know by age development, you must be fifty five and older to buy it. There are some nuances there where somebody's churning fifty five. So they're purchasing in, uh, you know, their birthdays in June and they're closing in January, right? You can, you know, they do make uh, exceptions for those things. However, you can't move in until you're 55. That's the g- general rule there. Um, so the day you, you know, you can buy it, but you can't move into it until you're 55. Um, now, I broke down the 55 and older market. And I just looked at, hey, what what's available? Suffolk, Nassau, Queens, and then I'm going to break those down. I didn't break down the the, the condos and co-ops in general, um, because it's just too much too much to do. But what I did um, here is I did break it down a little bit. So if I'm 55 and older or turning 55 soon, and I'm looking at 
something in Suffolk uh, for a condo. Go ahead. Um, I can choose from 165 places. If I'm looking in Nassau, that's 72. And if I'm looking in Queens, 23. Now, I was surprised at those those numbers. I was surprised it went down that much as you went further uh, west, right? Suffolk is you know, on the east end. But then I thought about, you know, it does kind of make sense. Now that I'm thinking about it again, um, because we we do have we have a lot of 55 and older out in uh, in Suffolk County. Every time there's a new development, the first thought comes to my, you know comes to my mind is, oh, is it 55 and older or is it not age restricted? That's my first question. Um, then I, I what I wanted to do is I looked at well, what's gated. You know, if I wanted to buy a 55 and older gated community, I have 105 gated, or I should say units that are in gated communities that are 55 and older in Suffolk County. In Nassau, there's 23, and in Queens, zero. So good luck finding, well, first of all, a, a 55 and older unit in Queens. There's only 23 of them. And uh, gated community zero. Uh, I checked in doorman. I said, "How? What? What? How has a doorman? You know." But that's more in the city. Um, you know, New York City, Manhattan. I thought there might be more in Queens, but there isn't. There's only one with a doorman. Nassau two, and Suffolk one. Um, I didn't look up elevators because I just thought, you know what? Let me look up what who has a master bedroom on the first floor. I should have pulled that elevators, but because some, you know, it doesn't make any sense, but they have 55 and older developments where, you know, the, the unit's on the second floor and they don't have an elevator. That doesn't make any sense to me. That kind of like defeats the purpose. If I'm, you know, you know, over 50, if I'm 70 years old and I'm buying in a, you know, community where it's 55 and older, you know, for the different, uh, you know, activities they offer, you know, maybe, uh, uh, you know, Looking for relationships to uh, you know people of my uh, my same age group just to relax and you know have common interests things like that. It doesn't make any sense for for a unit, you know, to buy a unit that is like on the second floor. I got to go upstairs, right? Go, I go to you know go to the supermarket, and I got to go up my steps to get into my house with my groceries. Yeah, no, that's not gonna work for me. Of course, now you can order Peapod or whatever, have it delivered. You can exclusively order out and just get DoorDash or uh, you know. Grubhub all day, but I digress. Anyways, um, with master bedrooms on the first floor, Suffolk County, 140, which is a pretty good number. At 165, 140 of them have the master bedroom on the first floor. In Nassau County, it's 40. And in Queens, there was 11. So, you know, basically all around, just about 50%. Some a little bit over, some a little bit under, but yeah, twenty because yeah, there's only twenty three total of fifty five plus in Queens, but eleven of them have the master bedroom on the first floor, and that makes sense. So that's good design by whoever is making those out there. Um, I hope this kind of covers, you know, what the co op and condo market look like. Again, I want to stress one thing, and I, I think this is something that. A buyer who's looking for condos and saying, yeah, you know what? I don't want to pay common charges. 
even in a co-op, right? You, you have to pay your taxes, your, your property taxes. Whether you pay them in a mortgage or you pay them in, in, the, in your monthly maintenance, there's same thing, okay? So that uh, let's, let's move away from the taxes and then the, the monthly maintenance of a co-op. You might look at it and go, oh my goodness, the co-op charge there is $1,200. Meanwhile, the taxes are you know 900 a month, right? So let's move away from the taxes. Forget about that. Move away from the insurance, okay? Because that's a separate thing. You're, when you buy a house, you have to have the lawn cut. You either have to A, cut it yourself, or B, have a landscaper do it. If you're cutting it yourself, you have to go out and buy a lawnmower. All right? You probably, if you're going to make it nice and cut it nice, you have to buy a, uh, a weed whacker, right? So you make that initial investment, and then you have to upkeep that. You have to buy gas for it, right? You still have to put the time in. Of course, it's less expensive over time to buy a lawnmower and mow your own lawn. I'm talking about the lawn here because that's a big expense when, well, not a big expense, but it's something that you do eight and a half months out of the year on Long Island. Whether your lawn is very small or your lawn is very large, unless you kill all your grass and put rocks down, and then you have to do what? You have to weed. So either way, either way, you cannot escape <laughs> landscaping and the fees associated with the time it takes to do those things. Yes, buying a lawnmower and a weed whacker and a blower, right? Is where uh, you you can use a rake, I guess, and then have to rake it up, but that's going to take more time, right? This is the way I look at these things. Or I uh, can pay a landscaper. Now I also have to then shuffle my driveway when it snows, or I have to have someone do it. And I have to pay them. Um, something you know, my roof is leaking. I need to replace my roof. I have to pay for it. Okay, the beauty of a condo now. Let's, you know, is they uh, all, you know, there's slight nuances here and there from, from place to place given the bylaws. However, the general rule is you own from the walls inside and they do everything outside. So you're in charge of maybe the windows in, you follow me? But they do the exterior and they do the roof. So now you're, you're buying a condo, the condo association decides to redo the uh, the uh, the roof, okay. You don't have to come out of your pocket for your share of the condo. You know, let's say it costs uh, one hundred fifty thousand dollars to so to uh, put a roof on on your uh, big condo development on your unit. Uh, it's a huge unit, right? Use the big number there, one fifty. You don't have, to, and you're one of the units, uh, one of uh, I don't know, ten units. You don't have to come out fifteen grand. Say, oh, here's fifteen thousand dollars to pay. For. No, of course it gets put on and added to your common charges. That's what it does. So your common charges might go up 50 bucks and you might have to pay that off for a certain amount of time. So, but if you own a home, guess what? You either have to do it on credit, right? If the contractor offers a credit, put it on credit card or pay in cash, right? Pay, you have to pay it in full. So it's, you know, they're the same thing. Siding the same thing. You're landscaping. Not now. I'm not cutting your lawn. I mean, what about head? You know, cutting the you know the uh, the hedges and the bushes and things like that. Trimming the trees outside. Um, uh, you know, putting in flowers and planting stuff and all that kind of jazz. The association does that. You pay for that, but you pay for it also when you own the house. So I want to make that very clear. If you're out there and you're like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to pay common charges. You have common charges when you 
buy a house. They're just not monthly, every single month set in stone. And oh, by the way, having a, a set in stone common charge that you know you have to pay, but it covers everything, you know what you're going to pay that month. You don't have to worry about a big snowstorm or 50 snowstorms as opposed to three. Uh, you, you know, it's just, it's paid for. You pay your common charges and you move on. Now, of course, there are different complexities. There's different issues with, you know, different HOAs. However, all in all, it's more, they're the same thing when you buy a house or you buy a condo. All right. So anyways, I went long on this one. It's 20 minutes. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to look me up um, on Instagram. I'm kind of redesigning my Instagram right now. My, I have a personal Instagram, but I'm kind of also mixing business with it now. So it's uh, Instagram.com uh, slash Tom McGivern. Look me up there. If you want, you can, uh, you know, follow me. That'd be great. Uh, you know, that, uh, and uh, also on there in my description, there's a uh, thing. It's a called Linktree. It just links to everything that I do. So check that out. And um, thanks for listening. I think um, next week, or not next week, but maybe in two weeks, we're going to do the update of the entire housing market. Thanks for listening to the Long Island Housing Market Podcast with me, Tom McGivern. You didn't think we were done yet, did you? Of course not. Listen, I want to just let you know, you can head over to TomMcGivern.com. That's T-O-M-M-C-G-I-V-E-R-O-N.com and check out more podcasts there. Uh, you can also go to TomAndColleenSell.com. That's Tom and Colleen, two L's, two E's in her name, and Sell, S-E-L-L.com. Check us out. We have a mortgage calculator there. We have some other uh, you know, information about who we are, how we do things. We'd love the opportunity to work with you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. All right. Welcome to the uh, Referral Agent Podcast. My name is Tom McGivern. So um, I'm actually driving in my car right now and um, wanted to just get some content out there on uh, the podcast, but I'm not doing it just for the sake of getting content out there. I actually have an idea and I usually get ideas. I don't know about you. I get the ideas to do things or talk about things in my car. All right. So, uh, first of all, the purpose of this, um, podcast, this particular podcast is for me to, uh, have content out there so that other real estate agents might hear it and, um, you know, think of me when and if they have a client here in New York on Long Island that they, uh, you know, they need to have another agent help them out with. So if you uh, are in Florida or another usually outbound destination, people are moving from New York to other areas or buying in other areas. Um, we do get inbound uh, folks, meaning people coming from out of town to the island, of course, you know, relocations, things like that. However, be that as it may, this is for mainly uh, agents out there to let them know I'm around and my name is Tom McGivern and I pay a 35% referral fee. So that's why I do this podcast. So I was listening to some podcasts recently and I think I want to, well, I do want to talk about podcasting specifically. If you're a real estate agent, uh, and why it is a good idea that you maybe get into the space 
uh, and the mode of doing podcasts. Uh, this is by no means me being an expert at doing podcasts. I'm not going to tell you, how, you know, I use Anchor. Okay, it's simple, uh, straightforward. I don't do any editing. I just rock and roll and do the podcast. Like I'm doing this one in my car. I hope it even comes out, sounds well. So, um, the reason I think people should be doing podcasts, real estate agents, is because it gets you in the mode of tr- thinking like an expert and looking for content, especially for your consumers. Now, this podcast is for you know real estate agents, so I can talk about whatever I want um, that pertains to you know decent or good information for real estate agents. I also do a podcast for consumers. Now, I would argue, for me anyway, I think I should be doing these on two separate areas. Right now, I just have one podcast platform, one podcast platform and you know you'll go to my blog which is tommcgivern.com and there I have a blog import and it imports actually both of these so I have consumers who might listen to this podcast which is not for them it's for real estate agents you know so that would be probably a critique of my of myself is that I should have two separate profiles and this should be all entirely separate but I'm now, you know, for some reason I'm just doing it this way. So <laughs> call it what you will. But um, for the regular real estate agent that wants to put content out there, or just be an expert for first-time home buyers, or you know, let's say you you, you pick your uh, your niche or an, an area within you know buyers and sellers and investors uh, that you're going to specifically target. Um, which is, of course, a whole other topic, which is marketing and uh, becoming an expert at specific things that you do or a specific topic like, you know, helping folks out with estate sales or short sales. Um, I talk a lot about that on a uh, group, a private group that I run, which is, um, if you ever wanted to be invited to it, it's by invite only. I would, uh, you know, I could send you the, uh, the information. Just um, hit me up on Messenger. I'm Tom McGivern on there as my personal profile, but it's a public profile. You can hit me up. Tom McGivern. M-C-G-I-V-E-R-O-N. Anyways, a podcast gets your mind thinking. And to do a podcast, and again, I'm not any expert on the topic of doing podcasts, but I know from just my personal experience, having done you know, probably over 40 or so podcasts in the last year or so and listening to podcasts. I know what I do right. I know what I do wrong. And all that stuff's good. That's podcasting stuff. And you know what? It doesn't even matter. Um, If you're trying to help your sphere of influence, just simply reaching out to 100 folks about, you know, or 200 folks in your your sphere, uh, and you want to use a podcast to go over good topics that might they, that they might find interesting or the folks that they know, right? Because we get referrals from that, that they know might get something out of this. Like their fellow colleague at work, like they were talking it on lunch and said, hey, I'm thinking about selling my house or whatever the top you know, conversation is. And they're like, oh my goodness, my, my real estate agent or my friend or my uncle, my cousin who's a real estate agent, they do this podcast. I think you should check it out, right? So that that's an obvious reason why you should do it. But 
it's my opinion that if you're doing a podcast, that it helps it helps you to become more of an expert at whatever topic that you're researching because you have to do some research. You have to have content that matters to folks. I'm not saying that I've done I haven't done a podcast that was like kind of not that great. Definitely happens because we're not in this for perfection. We're in this for um, we're in this for the pursuit of perfection to the pursuit of just providing uh, a service, right? Service, no service is perfect, right? So your, per- your podcast doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be. So you put a little effort into it. But that effort that you're going to find yourself putting into is going to help you to articulate your subject matter better, uh, communicate it better, and overall, be able to market it better. Right? The more you can fine-tune your message, and the only way you do that is become, by becoming more of an expert. Now, we all have the conversations as real estate agents with clients, and we find ourselves having the same conversations over and over and over again, saying the same things uh, to, to potential buyers, uh, you know, online you know, prospects that you know, contact us from various websites, right? We have the same repetitive language, right? We become an expert at that. Now, expert doesn't mean, in terms of dialogue, you could become an expert at having the wrong dialogue, right? Again, that's a whole different topic. But when it t- comes to content, content that might matter to, the fo- to, to folks, right? You know, your general new agent. I'll just give an example off the top of my head. Uh, I'm a new uh, real estate agent. Um, the first thing I want to do is I want to become an expert, quote unquote, at knowing the basics of helping a buyer buy a house. So I might learn from a mentor. Uh, you want to help them with their pre-approval. You want to help them connect with a mortgage professional that really holds people's hands. And um, this is the person that you might want to call. Uh, you learn the basics of recommending three attorneys three mortgage people, three home inspectors, right? You might learn um, how to word an email, how to speak, to, you know, what questions and conversations to have on the phone, right? When you get a call, right? Because when you just, when you get your license, right? You don't know what you're doing. So that's like step one of becoming a, an expert at, at this stuff. So, um, someone was riding right behind me again. I'm in my car. People drive like lunatics. So I just let him go drive right by me. Anyways. So as a real estate agent, as you progress, right? The last thing you want to do is become stale and just find yourself having the same conversations over and over and over again about the same basic, the basics of real estate, which is if you're a buyer, you get pre-approved. This is what you do. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You haphazardly throw a buyer into the mix. You don't have any material to give them. You don't have any really inside tips. You don't really pay attention to your craft. Or maybe you do. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all like basic stuff that any real real estate agent can learn. Same on the listing side, right? This is how we do it. We get professional photos, right? You have your CMA, your, your marketing plan analysis, and everything else in a marketing campaign, 
You'll learn how to talk about that, what's incorporated. Your broker might give you some tips on that. So where am I going with all this? In order to be an expert at something, you have to pick a topic that isn't the general topic. And a podcast is a great way, it's a great tool to be able to identify a topic and then just hone in on that topic and learn more about it, articulate the finer points, and then keep some of it to the side, okay, as you grow your, your, your knowledge base, um, you keep some of it to the side so that when you're actually talking with somebody, it may, not, may or may not be on the podcast. And I know right away some people are like, well, I don't want to do that. Why would I want to let other agents know what I do and what I think about a, a, a topic? Well, the only thing I would say there is, um, you know, if you know anything about like Gary Vaynerchuk or uh, Skip Bedell, uh, you know, um, the Property Brothers, things like, right? They do blogs, they do this, Oprah Winfrey, whatever, you know, experts at whatever they are in their field, they don't concern themselves about giving away information. They want to give information away and they want to do it so that people will then turn around and say, wow, this person is an expert. I want to call them to ask them some questions. Now, when you get that call, right, it's not like a call from the internet, from Zillow or Realtor.com, right? Uh, whether your broker is pay- paying for the leads or you're paying for the leads, as we call them leads, we hate that word, prospects, they're, they're, they're people, right? Anyways, it's different. There, they, they, they're online, they're seeing a house, and everybody knows you know, the inside uh, details of this, of our industry, which is a buyer who calls on a property, there is an, like, I don't know the percentages, but it's basically 95% chance that whatever house they're calling me on is not the house that they're going to buy. That's tried and true. That is something that you know people don't really know. And somebody who might be listening to this might go, what's he talking about? You know, like a non-agent. Like I said, um, I might have consumers listening to this podcast. Most of the time, over 9 out of 10 phone calls we get, the person who calls on an initial house online isn't even going to buy that house. But here's the thing. When they make that call, when they make that contact online, and they send you an email, or you get the phone call from Zillow saying, hey, we have so-and-so on the line, da-da-da-da-da, and they give you the prospect, or what they refer to as the lead. It's an incoming call, right, which is what we want as real estate agents, but we have provided no value to get that call, to earn that phone call in, or that contact coming in, that email coming in, that Facebook message coming in saying, hey, I want to sell my house, I saw you, right? We haven't earned that. It's just we're on the internet and we're either paying for a zip code or our broker is paying for some, some uh, prospects, some areas and that we're getting that's coming to us. But the person calling had no idea who we, who we are. They don't really care who we are. A podcast and becoming an expert in a field. You don't have to do a podcast to become an expert in the field. So throw that aside. But when you're an expert in the field in a, in a certain targeted area, well, now, now you just have to be able to reach folks and let them know, hey, I am an expert here at this. And that's marketing. A podcast is part of that. I hope this makes sense uh, and it's coming through to whoever's listening. If it is, please, please you know, hit me up on Facebook. 
Uh, watch me on YouTube, Tom McGivrin. Sounds just like it's spelled just like it sounds. Tom T O M Mick M C Give G I V E Ron R O N McGivrin. I'm all over the place. You can reach me, and I would love to hear your feedback on um, whatever content you might hear. Um, so, do you know? Look into doing a podcast. It may help you become, like I said, more of an expert. It's going to push you to learn more. All right. Thanks a lot for listening. Be well and be safe. Hey, welcome to the Referral Agent Podcast. Again, it's Tom McGivern. I'm a licensed agent here in uh, New York, Long Island, and um, host this podcast as a way to reach out to other real estate agents. Today, I'm going to talk a little bit about, um, I don't know, it's kind of like a controversial subject, I think, and I don't want to be negative about it, but it's something that just it struck me this morning, um, today's, whatever today is, uh, May 29th or something like that. I watched this video and it was somebody introducing somebody and that person was a, uh, a, a new real estate agent or something like that. And they were calling them a, a, a real estate expert. So that's going to be the topic of this podcast today. Um, if you need to reach me as a, as a real estate agent or even a consumer, uh, my number is 631-831-9048. That's my cell phone. Um, but the, uh, the purpose, uh, you know, <clears throat> for this, like this particular episode is that word expert. And we as real estate agents, you know, I talk about, um, on this podcast again, you know, things that may, may or may help uh, real estate agents, they certainly maybe help me and also talk about the things that affect us all and wh- where the industry is going and, and, and that type of thing. It's about the industry. So this word expert, it was introduced to the real estate market, um, kind of like, I think as the internet came to, you know, into, uh, into our, uh, industry and into everybody's industry, right? The National Association of Realtors and maybe uh, your local realtors, they, they, I mean, they just talked a lot about being a, your local neighborhood expert. So this word has been t- tossed around a lot. And there's a couple of problems with it. For, for, not for me, but for us in general. Number one, not everyone is an expert. That's just not the case. And for a, a real estate agent, Unless you're an expert at a niche or an expert at something, you cannot call yourself an expert. Not every real estate agent is an expert, period. Um, Just because you live in an area doesn't mean you're an expert in that area. Unless you know the houses that are for sale, you know the blocks. If you're going to call yourself an expert, well, then you need to know all that stuff. In fact, I would go as far as say that someone who's, let's say, farming an area, lives in an area and calling themselves a local neighborhood expert on the market. Well, then you need to be, have probably have been in most of the houses in that neighborhood or a lot of them, certainly the ones that have listed and sold and seen those, uh, the interiors of those homes. I know certain agents that know their market so well, they've probably been inside 
more than 50% of the homes in their neighborhood that they serve and that they are a member of that community. That's an expert. The second thing, so not everyone's an expert. You know, I'm sorry to say that, you know, including, including me. I'm an expert at certain things. And that's the second point. Calling yourself an expert is bad marketing. Calling yourself an expert at estate sales. Now that's something I can, that, that spikes my interest. Saying, I'm an expert in the boating community. I know all the docks, all the marinas, all the owners, all the kinds of different boats, the, you know, the draft level, uh, the depth of the water, high tides, low tides. Now that spikes my interest. I'm an expert in, you know, 11716 zip code, wherever your zip code is. I'm an expert in this development. That spikes my interest, but you got to back it up. So that second point is super important for us as real estate agents and marketing. Marketing yourself and, you know, it goes way beyond serve a niche and grow rich, right? That's the old that's those old sayings. While it's true, you have to serve your passion, which is my third point. If you if you want to identify, hey, what area can I become an expert in? You know, identify what's passionate, you know, about you. What do you feel passion for? I know for me, I'm passionate about helping folks in general. Now that is a broad statement. And I'm refining that even as I go along in my, in my marketing. But estate sales, I mentioned that, right? That's one thing that I am increasingly passionate about. And I'm not interested in really getting a designation, okay, from another organization. That I, that I have no interest in that. My interests lie in the fact that my family had a death and it was one of my uncles and we had a a home as a family that many of them grew up in and it was on the east end of Long Island and the house was very dear to our hearts. We had many, many, our grandparents lived there, passed away and then the other family member, all, everyone, my mom and her brothers loved each other. They have a very, very close-knit family. You know, we have our, they have their differences but at the end of the day, there's a love there. There's not like this disjointed family where people hate each other. It was a very close-knit. My point is, they had to sell that house. And my mother, who, who was the executrix, was like, holy crap, how do I do this? That's important to me because I saw what my mother went through. So now I've taken a, a, you know, that next step. Many of us will say, you know, in handling an estate sale, we know the basics, right? You know, just talk to an attorney. Well, that's not good enough for me. So I'm becoming more of an expert at estate sales. That's just an example. So you have to go back in your, that's an example of my own passion that I'm bringing out. And I'm bringing it out slowly. I'm bringing it out when I'm ready. And then I'm going to unleash some marketing and I'm going to unleash some information and I'm going to help people. When you do that, 
And that's really at the essence of what a real estate agent is. You know, human beings, right? Most of us, we want to help people in some way or another, whether we're a mechanic or we're, uh, you know, um, anything, a doctor, uh, um, any kind of job you could think of. We want to help people, whether we're on the phone helping somebody, we're in a call center, getting paid a certain amount of money. At the end of the day, if you are in a conversation and somebody's flight got canceled and they're calling you and you're just a flight person making, you know, $17 an hour or something like that, but you put a smile on their face, you know, you can hear that smile through the phone and they're like, oh, thank you so much. You helped me so much. And you feel that $17 an hour doesn't mean anything. It, you get inside like, wow, I helped that person. I feel good about myself. And then you go home and you tell your, your spouse or your, your mom or something like that, your dad, you tell somebody, your friend, hey, I had a great experience today at work and this is what happened. My crappy job that I hate, but that I liked. That's the essence of, of who we are as people. And as real estate agents, I, I know that for a fact. Now, we all go about things differently. And there are a lot of real estate agents, let's face it. They do not do the right thing. But that's their business. And somehow, somewhere, they lost their way. It's not, our marketing sucks as an industry, period. And this little tip, I hope, helps you to understand, hey, wow, that resonated with me. And bring your passion into your business. And then it's not going to be about how many homes you sold last year in your ads. While that stuff can be somewhat important, it's really lacking because it's not calling out to the, to the consumer. I'm going to leave you with this. A few years ago, I went to a car lot. I was looking for a car. This was probably 15 years ago. And I'll never forget this. The gentleman was showing cars and he knew everything about these cars. I mean, he was great. And I'm listening to him and he's talking about it. And I'm getting more and more excited about the car, more and more excited about the car. And he was all about the car, all about the service that they did and what they did to this particular car. He knew the background of all the cars because I was looking at used cars versus new cars. And then he flicked the switch in his brain and started talking about himself. And it cost him the sale. Even though it was like, you know, you want to throw a nugget in there? I sold a lot of cars. I sold a lot of these last year. It's crazy. Okay, good. He went on probably about a minute, two minutes, three minutes, something like that. But it was, it, it seemed like an hour. And I was like, I'm done. I uh, just nodded. I'm like, yeah. But if, I don't know if he caught the switch in my behavior because I caught it in his, but I had to have given him a signal uncon- you know, unconsciously just kind of been like, oh, I'm tuning out. I'm done. I'm going to the next lot. And that's exactly what I did. That story always sticks with me. And that's why when I do these podcasts, I, podcasts, videos, I'm never 100% comfortable because I'm doing a lot of talking. I'm going to start in, introducing interviews into these podcasts and some of my videos at least because I think that's important for me as a person. Again, bringing my passion in, highlighting someone else or having them help highlight what I do really well. I think that'll help me. Again, I'm always thinking marketing. How do I improve my message? How do I improve my offer? 
Because here's the thing, you could be a great real estate agent, you could be an expert at something, but if you don't know how to communicate that in your message and in your offer to the market, the market will not call you. And I have personal experience with this. If you screw it up, if you do marketing a certain way for too long and it sucks, you will not, you will see that that catches up to you. Even though you have great intentions, even though you're a very good real estate agent, even though when you sit down at a, you know, a kitchen table with somebody, man, you're using your two ears way more than your mouth. Even though you're doing all these things and you're very, very knowledgeable about what, how to sell a house, all the ins and the outs, negotiating, all these things. That's one thing. But if you can't get to the kitchen table, then you can't help people. So your message, your message to market has to, your message to market matters. I might come up with a segment like that. Anyway, my name is Tom McGivern. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Again, this is for real estate agents. If you're a consumer and you're listening to this podcast, they go to the same web, uh, website, TomMcGivern.com. And what you'll, uh, what you'll want to do is listen to the Long Island Housing Podcast. That's for consumers. Of course, if you listen to something in here and you resonated with it and you want to call me and work with me, that'd be fantastic. 631-831-9048. My name is Tom McGivern. You're a real estate agent out there and you have a client here on Long Island that's moving to your area and or moving to Long Island and you need a real estate agent you can rely on. I look forward to hearing from you and helping our clients. Have a great day.